the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. The program is dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Friends, we have presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. And of course, Christner's is where you'll find generous servings of prime cuts of beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication. We have a great show, friends, for you today, and we have great guests, and we'll get right into it right now. A little bit later, we look forward to being joined by our regular contributor and friend, Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers. Also, we look forward to being joined by Ashley Balajan, of course, founder of the Balajan Law Firm, who specialize in family law. But first, we're excited to be joined by another regular contributor and friend of our program, Sammy Smith, of course, outstanding, legendary, literally, football career at Apopka High School and later FSU. In fact, he still is at the top of the record book in many categories uh, for Florida State Seminoles um, rushing yardage. Uh, He also most valuable player of the 1989 Sugar Bowl and also number one draft choice of the Miami Dolphins. Of course, Sammy most recently has been the director of character development at University of Mississippi, Ole Miss. And uh, we're happy to get caught up with Sammy once again today. And Sammy, it's great to have you joining us. And um, you're visiting here in Central Florida. It's great to have you have you home and spend a little time with you. Hey, Roger, man. It's always a, a pleasure to be on your show. And I'm super excited about being back in the area here for a couple of weeks, although it's a lot of work that I'm here for, trying to get my home prepared to to move back here in June. So we've been busting our butts up here, man, with painting and tearing uh, bathrooms out and cabinets and uh, just got a whole renovation project I've got going on here at our home. So I'm actually looking forward to get, getting this stuff over with, man, so I can take a few days and kind of kick back. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us, and that kind of leads to my first question is, you know, I'd love to have you share about the exciting news about your return to Florida. Uh, You've been at Ole Miss now approximately six or seven years. It doesn't seem like that long at all. seems like you just went there. But anyway, you've you've, um, been at Ole Miss as Director of Character Development uh, under the uh, auspices of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but uh, there's recent news that you'll be returning to Florida to continue your work here with the FCA. Can you share about it with us? Yeah, I just, you know, felt led. There's a a lot of different things that have uh, played into the equation of me uh, deciding to return. You know, one being that uh, my daughter, of course, used to go to Florida State's games with me when I was in the area. I would take her there from time to time. And so, you know, we got a house that are Seminoles, albeit uh, we have three graduates now from the University of Mississippi. You know, I actually went back to school in uh, 2019, and I got a degree from University of Mississippi in 2020, and now my wife has a master's degree from the University of Mississippi in social work, and my son in May will graduate with a uh, mechanical engineering degree. And, but my daughter wants to go to Tallahassee. She wants to be a knoll and uh, she's finishing her sophomore year of high school, so we thought it would be wise to try to get back here so she can take advantage of in-state tuition. Um, and then I felt compelled to come back to the area to work with FCA Outdoors. You know, we got a lot of kids, man, that don't play traditional sports, you know, the football and baseball and 
and basketball. And we got a lot of kids that are just sitting around the house, you know, on the computers or on their phones. And um, I found in Mississippi and Alabama that uh, bass fishing is the number one growing high school sport or activity uh, in the United States right now. And uh, I start looking into that, and I'm like, we got all these schools up in these states that are bass fishing in Florida, <laughs> I would say is probably one of the most uh, sought-after places to come to fish, especially here in Lake County where I'm at. So I'm going to be engaging in FCA outdoors, trying to encourage kids to get out on the lake, fish, and uh, do some hunting, uh, skeet shooting, equestrian, um, and it'll be a joint venture, you know, with me and my wife, uh, just trying to pour in the, the youth in the area and then doing some donor development to help our FCA staff across the state, you know, with just donor retention and development, maybe taking some of those folks on, uh, you know, fishing trips, uh, maybe some turkey hunts, you know, any kind of ways just to get outdoors and engage people about FCA. No, that's great. You know, we've had a chance, Steve, shared, had a chance to share a little bit about FCA Outdoors with me off the air, and I just think that's an incredible uh, concept, a wonderful, phenomenal concept, because as you said, there are only uh, so many kids that, um, at, certainly at the high school level, uh, that end up playing football and baseball and basketball, some of the, you know, the, the more well-known sports, but, um, you know, and there's, and, you know, the act. The FCA outdoors activities are, are things that every kid uh, potentially could, could be involved in. You don't even have any any uh, size and strength and speed requirements or anything like that. It's just some, something that would be open to almost every every youngster, and uh, you know, obviously a tremendous uh, opportunity to minister. Yeah, absolutely. When I start looking into this, Roger, um, you know, fishing was the the number one thing that came to my heart because I love fishing and. I started kind of looking into the area and fishing, and I Googled college because I know a lot of these colleges have fishing teams now. And a lot of these high school kids don't know, man, but they're giving scholarships for fishing, for bass fishing. And uh, here just in January, uh, Blue Mountain College, which was about 30, 35 minutes from where I was in Oxford, Mississippi, they were here in Leesburg participating in the FCA excuse me, not the FCA, it was the um, college bass national tournament or something, but they won it. You know, the school from little old Blue Mountain, Mississippi, came and won an event that had, I think, around 250 boats. You know, with kids from Mississippi State and Auburn, Kentucky, all these schools. And so uh, there's a, a huge uh, draw to fishing and, and a huge opportunity that a lot of kids don't know that, man, they could get their school paid for, you know, for fishing. So, again, I'm just trying to uh, bring awareness to it, to this area and to get kids involved and prayerfully to be able to find some adults that want to pour into some kids. And, um, you know, I've got a couple of buddies that got pontoon boats, and I've challenged them to, man, sort of adopt, you know, six to eight young boys and spend time with them, you know, a couple times a month, get them out on the lake and, you know, we got a lot of kids in the area that need that, man. They need some uh, mentoring, you know, people in their lives to help encourage them to, you know, be different and to do things different and to steer them away from what I've seen to be a lot of a lot of trouble and stuff that's happening in a lot of our communities now. Oh, a wonderful idea. Thank you for your efforts with it and for being here to share about it with us, uh, with our listeners. Um now, Sammy, I'd like to ask you, you know, as I said before, it, it literally only seems like yesterday that you had the rather dramatic opportunity to go to Ole Miss uh, to serve as the director of character development uh, for their athletic department football program. And can you share, and you've done a, a lot of incredible work there, can you share a little bit about your role and mission at Ole Miss for the past uh, you know, several years and, and, and what you feel good about being able to accomplish there in that role? Well, when the opportunity came uh, to serve in that role, man, I was thankful that I would get a chance to just kind of glean from some of my experiences, you know, as a football player, um, as a young man growing up, you know, pursuing, going to college, uh, making it to the highest levels in the sport, uh, also having failures, you know, in difficult times, not making great decisions, and uh but also having the opportunity to be around great coaches, you know, coaches like Coach Bowden and 
uh, my track coach at Florida State, Dick Roberts, you know, my high school coaches, uh, Coach Gerke and uh, Coach Johnson, Coach Johnson, Coach Jarner, you know, Coach uh, Will Carlton, all these guys that, that poured into us. And so it was an opportunity for me to not only, you know, at the college level impact football players and, and student athletes and track athletes, but to impact coaches. And so, uh, again, it was just, man, something that I took uh, great honor in and having that opportunity and and then just being able to be a, a vehicle to help these young men and, and these coaches grow uh, outside of their sport has been a tremendous blessing for me and my family. Prince, we're speaking with former FSU great, former Popka Blue Darter, Football great Sammy Smith. He was the most valuable player of the 1989 Sugar Bowl. He was the number one draft choice of the Miami Dolphins. He's a member of the Florida State University Athletic Hall of Fame. He's joining us today. Sam, you know, we have a break coming up in just a moment. Um, when we come back, I would like to you know, ask you more about um, you know, just your experiences with FCA. And, but then also uh, take this opportunity to reflect a little bit on some of the your highlights of your exceptional football career. Uh, and friends, we're speaking with Sammy Smith. Before we go to that break, I want to, of course, give a shout out to our friends over at Miller's Sod Sales and let you know that Miller's Sod Sales strives to do their best for every customer every time. Miller's Sod Sales takes great pride in their clean, well-maintained equipment, their honest, dependable work, and their fresh quality sod. Let Miller Sod Sales green up your life. Family owned and operated since 1995. And you can find out more at John Miller Trucking and Sod Sales.com. And I also, of course, want to let you know that the high school ball players and their dedicated coaches that you hear in our program are supported by Florida Door Solutions. Do you have garage door problems? Florida Door Solutions has your solution. And you can find them at 866-FLA-DOOR. That's 866-FLA-DOOR. Please tell them you are an answer listener. Florida Door Solutions supports our program and all the programs you hear right here on the on AM 950 and FM 94.9 and our messages of patriotism and support for our free enterprise system. Friends, we're going to go to a quick break. We'll continue our conversation with former FSU great, former Apopka Blue Garter great, Life Char- Director of Character Development at Ole Miss, Sammy Smith. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. As I said before, we have great guests today. A little bit later, we look forward to hearing from Ashley Belagin, of the founder of the Belagin Law Firm. Also, of course, as you know, we're speaking right now with former FSU great Sammy Smith. And we've also been joined now in the studio by Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers. And let's go back to Sammy Smith. And Sammy, can you, you know, as we left you had shared with us about the exciting news that you're going to be returning to Florida, actually returning right, right back to home, uh, back to your home in Mount Dora uh, in a, a, a new and exciting role with FCA, FCA outdoors. And you also shared a little bit about um, the great work you've been able to do while you were at Ole Miss. Um, can you share just a little bit about um you know, the, the very interesting story about how you even became to, to, to go and have that opportunity come up at Ole Miss because, you know, as, as, as we know, you were, you had a lot of exciting things happening here at the time, including your, your own, uh, your mission, uh, uh, kingdom impact sports. But can you just talk about the very interesting story of how you even, um, got involved with, with Ole FC at Ole, at Ole Miss? Well, well, I had been working with fellowship of Christian athletes for, approximately four or five years at that time, but I also had, you know, Kingdom Impact Sports and Mount Dora going on. So I had two things happening. And then also um, an opportunity came up for me to go and share at uh, First Baptist 
church in Ocala. And it was a men's event. And, you know, I had all these other things going on, fundraising for FCA, you know, trying to get uh, my org up, fully funded, you know, for support. And um, I, I wasn't really sure that I wanted to take that trip to do that event. You know, sometimes the enemy will come in and, and give a second thoughts about, you know, man, you could be using your time a little bit more wisely. Uh, you're trying to raise support. And, and I remember one thing that Coach Bowden had always uh, told me whenever I called him and asked for advice. He said, Sammy, you know, God and people are not concerned with your ability, but they're concerned with your availability. And immediately I thought to myself, you know, I've been asked to come there to share and I'm going. I'm going to make myself available. And uh, lo and behold, um, at that event, man, it was a great event. Uh, I had some great interaction with the men that were there. And this one particular man, Terry Crawford, who's one of my dear friends now, uh, followed me out. And we talked, and he wanted to know if I would be interested in going to University of Mississippi to speak at an FCA breakfast the following year. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to do that. Well, Two days later, I'm getting a call from Hugh Freeze, who was the head coach at that time, asking me to come there to be their uh, director of character development. And so it was just an opportunity of, of, of being diligent and being obedient and, and listening to God and doing what he's asking you to do, uh, that, that doors will get open, you know, making yourself available. And so I try to make that a staple of my life now and of my time is that you know, whenever I'm available to be able to do something that's going to be beneficial to others or or that'll give me the opportunity to share, you know, the love of Christ and what he's done in my life, uh, then I'm certainly going to make every effort to do that. So that would be my advice to any listeners, man, is that to always make yourself available if if you have any uh, means necessary to do, to do so to impact people. We're speaking with FSU great Sammy Smith. Right now, Derek Hicks is joining us in the studio. And, you know, Sammy, you mentioned Coach Bobby Bowden, and, you know, all of our listeners know of Coach Bowden because of, you know, obviously one of the greatest college football coaches, you know, in, in the history of college football. Um, and he had a you know, well-known ident- you know, personality and so forth. But you actually had the opportunity to really to, to not only play for him, but also to develop a, a, a very close relationship both as a player and then after you played, uh, can you share with us just a little bit um, about that special relationship you had with Coach Bowden, and 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 what was he what was he like, you know, um, you know, away from the cameras and the spotlight? Well, you know, when you when you think of Coach Bowden, of course, you know the the, the, the average person or the person people that don't know him really closely, and even some that may think they know him closely. Um, you you, you just remember uh, what a great coach he was. You know, the win. Uh, the competition, you know, how his teams competed and how he led his team, the impact that he had on uh, not only his players but the other coaches that he had an opportunity to pour into it. Um, you know, but when I think of Coach Bowden, right, and I think about the impact that he had on my life, man, it goes far beyond the football field. You know, and, uh, you know, when I think of him, man, I think about during some difficult times where I needed some guidance, where I needed to hear that, uh, Sammy, you can do it. You can bounce back. You know, this episode in this era of your life doesn't define you. You know, it's a glitch. You know, it's just a, a hurdle that you overcome. And, and I had a few of those. And uh, he was always there to encourage and to, to lift, you know, my spirits up and um, was just more than just a football coach to me, man. He was, he was again, he was an encourager. Uh, always positive, and uh, that's what I remember him most for. I, I can remember being at um, Edgefield, South Carolina. I was in prison, and I was at a um, minimum security camp there, and I got a call from the warden's office asking me to come down there to, you know, to, to, to speak with him. And when I get there, I got one of the coaches, I believe it was Coach Gladden, was on the other line, wanting to know if I would record a message to uh, the football team there, that Coach Bowden wants to know would I, would I be able to do that from there. And the prison allowed that. They set that up for that to happen. 
you talk about a time that, man, really lifts my spirit to know that even while I was in one of the most dire and difficult times of my life, that Coach Bowden thought enough of me and thought enough of what I had gone through and the testimony that could come from that to invite me to speak to his team. And I was able to record a message to the 98 football team. And uh, that did wonders for me, you know, because that encouraged me that, you know, I, I do have value. Even though I'm sitting in a federal prison and I made a, a horrible mistake and at some point in time I'm going to be out and have a chance to opportunity and an opportunity to start life over again and to be more impactful and to do things right, um, man, that, that was one of the moments that helped spur that on in me, to, to know that it could be done. No, that, that's amazing. Th- thank wow. you for sharing Great with us. Great story. Very good story. I, you know, faith in football has been so powerful, and I know that that's been under attack. And then when uh, DeMar Hamlin went down for the Buffalo Bills, I was so happy to see all those players on their knees. And then, and then even the sports commentators asked for prayer. So what do you think about it? about football and prayer and God seems to go together? And I know a lot of younger players, players are coming up what what is your word on faith to them a lot of the younger players well you know i I believe that you absolutely if you're a believer you know that you absolutely have faith have to have faith um you know i know that the the god that i serve man he's shown up big in my life on many occasions and you know just having that faith that um i could overcome you know through through the power of jesus um, meant a lot to me, and so that's that's my testimony. Um, I don't have to expect anyone else to have that testimony, but they can if they want it, you know. And so um, I think it goes hand in hand. It, it, it's helped create who I am today as a man and as a father, um, as a mentor, you know, as someone in my community that uh, that fell, uh, but was able to you know pick myself up by by my bootstraps and you know, and to keep moving forward. And it was all because of the belief and the faith that, that I could do that, you know, with, with the strength of, of God's word being poured into my life and, and having men around me like Coach Bowden and, and many others that have been a part of my journey, you know. So, um, again, I'm thankful that I've had the opportunity to pour into, you know, Coach Kiffin, Coach Luke, uh, to spend one year there with Coach Freeze and, and the many other coaches and players. Uh, the guy that's taking over my role at Mississippi now is one of our former players that I had six years to mentor in the train. And uh, I know it's going to be in great hands because he, he's going to do an amazing job. No, th- thank you for sharing great, great wisdom, literally, with us and for being with us uh, today, Sammy Smith. And I'll just add one more thing about what you share with us about Coach Bobby Bowden, uh, would not, and it doesn't need any obviously uh, anything you know speaks for itself. But what I was going to say is that to point out from from a football perspective is that I hear a lot of I ask that question to a lot of guys who played for great coaches and who had great careers playing for great coaches or just you know were regular players that played for great coaches and and they didn't have that kind of relationship. You know, a, a lot of people that coaches that are. Big names, if you will, um, you know, household names, legendary coaches, did 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 not have those kinds of relationships with their players. Well, I think it's important. Um, that's to me where legacy is built. You know, on not what you did on the football field, but man, what kind of impact did you have in in people's lives off the football field? If, if the only legacy that I could leave behind was, you know, what I did in sports or what I didn't do in sports then I feel like I would have had a failed life. You know, I want to know um, and leave a legacy of, man, how did he touch people? How did he impact? How did he help, you know, young men grow and, you know, maybe take make some different decisions that, um, you know, propel their lives to be successful, you know, in, in other things, in other areas, uh, uh, to stay out of prison, to not um, go to jail, to be a, a great father, you know, to be a great person in their community. I think that that's where um, legacy is built on. It's not on, you know, how many games you won or lost. And I think when coaches get that, and man, when they coach that way, they'll be amazed of uh, how much they'll be blessed and 
how much their football teams and their you know track and field, their baseball, their basketball teams, how much those players will be willing to you know to run through a brick wall for them when they know that they care more than just about uh, the outcome of of their competition. Sammy Smith, FSU legend, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing wonderful wisdom. Oh yes, great. Thank you. That's that's awesome stories. Hey, thank you guys for having me, Roger, and um, I pray that maybe there are some men or women that will listen to this that want to get involved with FCA Outdoors. Um, You know, you can Google FCA Outdoors and you'll be able to find our page, and if you want to support, you'll be able to find my my page on on that site. Absolutely. Definitely encourage our listeners to do that. And best wishes with it. Thank you, Sammy Smith. Thank you much. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers, and with Ashley Belagin, founder of the Belagin Law Firm. Please stay with us. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Great to be with you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. Of course, the Roger Frank and Williams Show is a program that's dedicated to preserving, protecting America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Continue to be joined in the studio by Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers. And now we're also joined on the phone by Ashley Belagin, founder of the Belagin Law Firm, who specializes in family law and domestic violence cases. And Ashley, it's great to have you check in with us again. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me again. I wanted to, uh, you know, why don't we start right now? I know when, last time you, sh- you, you joined us, you shared the great story about when I asked you, how did you, you know, choose to, first of all, to become an attorney? And then how did you choose to, to take on family law and domestic violence as kind of your area of, of, of priority? And can you, can you share about that with us uh, once again? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to. So I originally went to law school because I really honestly wanted to make a difference. Um, I had friends that um, I was originally going to be an immigration attorney when I first went to law school. So what I was, that's what I was going to do. And I was hoping to help people that were coming to our country um, for a second chance because I saw what was happening to them. I felt like they weren't getting a fair share. So that's what I originally made me want to go to law school. Um, then once I passed the bar exam, or I, I apologize, once I was studying for the bar exam, God was putting it on my heart for um, another area of law. Um, I didn't really know what it was at that time until about almost a year in, I started practicing. So when COVID hit, um, I had an attorney uh, appearance job, and when COVID hit, that job disappeared overnight. It was no longer needed because we went completely virtual, um, so I was no longer needed for my job. So I started praying and I asked God, you know, what would you like me to do? What area of law do you want me to practice? And he was very specific. He told me that I was supposed to open my firm right away. And he told me he wanted me to practice family law. Um, and I was, uh, I was very standoffish about it because I was like, well, um, I don't know if you know, God, but there's kind of a virus going on right now. So probably not a good time to open a business. Um, and I never wanted to do family law ever. I said it in law school many times. I will never practice this area of law. So I prayed to God asking for different answers, hoping for different answers. And he gave me the same answer every time. Um, so I opened my law firm during the virus, a few months into it, and I started practicing family law. And honestly, um, it's been an amazing blessing ever since. Um, I truly love what I do. I would be lying if I didn't say that some days were hard. Um, some days are very, very difficult doing this line of work. Um, it's an area that a lot of attorneys do not want to do because it's so emotionally involved. Um, but I know God has called me to this. And um, the more and more I do it, I realize it's, um, it's an amazing blessing because you were truly helping people at one of the most difficult times in their life. So um, I'm very grateful for this area of law that I practice. No, thank you for sharing this great, very interesting story about how you've you know, arrived at your, at your chosen field as an attorney. Wow. And you followed what God's will was, not necessarily your own. So as I'm a Christian too. So wow, great testimony. Thank you for sharing that personal story. Absolutely. 
Now, I'd like to just follow that up. And first, we're speaking with Ashley Belogin, founder of the Belogin Law Firm, as, as we're hearing, who specializes in family law and domestic violence cases. What were some of the reasons you had reservations about wanting to, uh, you know, about practicing family law? And, and now that you've, you know, embarked upon that chosen field, you know, with God's direction, um, how do you feel about what you're doing? And could you share some of uh, an experience or two that you feel good about that you really were able to help make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I was very reserved about it was because it is a very, very emotional area of law. Like you are, you're truly getting people at their worst, um, at the most vulnerable you are finding out things about people that um, a lot of other people will never come to find out. So you are learning like people's entire like dirty laundry, as you want to say it. I don't ever look at it like that because I'm like, you know, listen, I'm glad that you feel safe enough and comfortable enough to share all of this with me because you're always in a safe place with me. Um, and I did an internship at a family law firm in um, law school. And I was just like, this is so much because I would read text messages, emails that the, the parents or spouses would send to each other. And it's just, it, it's a lot. It's very, very overwhelming. When I, um, I'll be very honest, when I started practicing family law, um, what I've come to see is that there are not a lot of family law attorneys out there, um, as many as I thought there would be, that are willing to try to work together. There's a lot of great family law attorneys out there, but there's a lot out there who really don't care about you or your child or children. And when you are going to hire an attorney for your case, especially in family law, you need to really make sure you know who you're hiring. I'm not saying, like, do a thorough background check. That's not what I'm saying. Um, But you need to make sure that they're really looking out for you and for your child or children because they can really dictate how your case goes. Um, So for me, a couple of really good – like, a really good story that I have – well, there's a couple. So a couple cases I was representing two different dads. One dad was not able to see his son as much as he wanted to. So when we were in mediation, um, I made sure that we fought to make sure he could get more time sharing. And I also had to um, educate my client, like, dad, you're legally entitled to see your child just as much as mom is, especially if you're able to, um, with like, you know, you're able to like work wise and stuff like that. And you're able to work it out. And he really didn't realize that. So we were able to get him more time sharing And that meant so much because after we were able to settle that, he said, you know, thank you for allowing him to be able to see his child. And that that's what it's really all about. And I had another case where I was representing a father on and he wasn't able to see his children who were very, very small. One was like under two. One was like um, maybe like nine months old. And so he wasn't able to see his children for a few months. And it was very, very psychologically affecting him. So what we did was we filed some things against mom. Um, because we were like, well, listen, we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to allow this. This is breaking the law. He's allowed to see his children. He's not some kind of threat or risk. So we were able to get him to be able to see his children before um, Christmas, um, which is what we were trying to go for. So now he sees his children regularly. So that's really what it's about. It's to be able to help people be able to see their children, make sure it's fair, try to keep it fair as much as humanly possible, um, and make sure that, you know, we also follow the law because, not everyone's willing to do that, and that's not okay. So, no, thank you for sharing. Great, Absolutely. great, interesting stories. And friends, we're speaking with Ashley Belogin, founder of the law firm, the Belogin Law Firm. And as you hear, they specially specializes in family law and domestic violence cases. Yes, Ashley, I have a, a question for you. I know I've been in business for years, and the importance of an attorney and a lawyer. A lot of listeners out there sometimes are afraid to get an attorney or lawyer in their situation. And can you tell them the importance of that and how it's actually, as I know, and and I'm sure you'll agree that it's an investment to get somebody that knows, like you said, you know, the background of these issues more than any of us would ever know. So tell us how important it is to make sure you do have a qualified uh, lawyer in family law. Absolutely. So what I always tell um, people, I don't say this in every consultation, but I do say this to a lot of people in my consultations. It doesn't matter how expensive they are or how, um, how, much, how many years of experience they have. You need to make sure that they are truly there for you and you get a good vibe, a good feeling. Um, I'm going to assume a lot of your listeners are believers. I tell my, um, the person that I'm speaking to if I get a vibe that they might be a believer, I tell them to pray about it. You need to make sure the attorney you have 
is truly here for you. The most expensive and the most experienced does not mean they're the best attorney. And it does not mean that they're going to be looking out for you. Um, there's a lot of family law attorneys out there who do not, but there's a lot of uh, really good ones out there. So when you're looking for an attorney and stuff like that, you obviously want to have someone who does um, does know the law, does they can answer your questions well. Um, if they don't have that answer, that they will come and um, they will come research that answer and get back to you. That's what I do if I have someone who asks me a question. I'm like, you know what? I've never had this situation come up before. Let me go research the answer. And uh, we'll get back to you to make sure that we um, can represent you, like, um, adequately and competently and everything. Um, But when you have an attorney on your side, like, now, I know everyone can't afford an attorney. That's understandable. But if you have a very complicated case, I would highly recommend at least speaking to an attorney, because if you do it on your own, it can get very, very complicated. And what some people really don't realize is that um, in family law, if you have a parenting plan or a time-sharing plan, that's it until these kids are 18, unless you come back to change it, which actually really isn't super easy to do. Like, that's what it is until they're 18, unless you do a modification. And modifications aren't super easy to do. So want to be very careful with the decisions you're making. They are, like, those are your final decisions for many, many years. So you always want to be very aware of that um, when you're making those decisions. I hope that answered that question. Yes, yes, thank you. No, great, great information, great information, helpful information, and it leads me to want to have ask you to share how uh, listeners could could get um, you know get in touch with you if somebody needs some help or would be inclined to. Sure. So, um, so my phone number, like now, you can always email me. My last name's really, really long, so you don't have to try to look me up. It's okay. So you can either call. Or text me at 407-338-3230. If you cannot afford an attorney, honestly, please reach out. We'll do a consultation with you. And I am happy to try to help you with your case as much as I possibly am. Um, That's why we do consultations. Because not everyone can afford an attorney. That's okay. Just reach out and let me tell you what you're legally entitled to. And try to kind of help guide you through your case. I've done that for many people who cannot afford to um, hire me, but that helps give them some kind of peace of mind, know what their legal rights are, and kind of give them some direction of what they need to do. Wonderful. Thank you. Once again, it's the Belagin Law Firm, friends, and we're speaking with the founder right now on our program, Ashley Belagin. Ashley, thank you once again for joining us and, again, sharing wonderful information. In fact, uh, we have to have you back again soon because I've had some more questions that we don't have time for right now. But uh, you, thank you uh, thank you for sharing with us today, and thank you for what you do to help people. Oh, absolutely. I'm so happy to be on again. Really, it's truly my pleasure. I really hope this information helps anyone. If you guys ever have questions, please, please reach out. I'm happy to help. And if you ever just need um, information regarding counselors, please reach out. I do not charge for that information. I don't receive any kind of referral fee. Please let me know. I work with a lot of great counselors as well. And it's Ashley Belagin of the founder of the Belagin Law Firm. Thank you very much, Ashley. Absolutely. We'll take another quick break. We'll be back with Derek Hicks, president of Thompson Jewelers on the Roger Frank and Williams Show. Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. The program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster. Hope you joined the program and is... Great to have wonderful guests on the show. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with <clears throat> Ashley Belagin, founder of the Belagin Law Firm. Also earlier, Sammy Smith, former FSU and Apopka High School great, now doing great work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the exciting new news that he'll be moving back to Central Florida and engaging in a, a kind of a newer program with FCA, FCA Outdoors. Right now we continue with Derek Hicks, and we'd like to shift gears a little bit, and it's always great whenever we have the the benefit, the blessing of having Derek join us, I always like to talk about, especially about the founding of America, 
the values upon which America was founded, which, of course, is a constant theme of the show anyway, and um, and the Revolutionary War period, because Derek is an expert in, in those areas. And I'd like to start with, um, you know, uh, I guess a topic that's both a favorite of, of both Derek and mine, and that is actually President John F. Kennedy's inaugural speech. And it's not something that I really hear talked about a lot. In fact, I became aware of it just by reading the speech. I hadn't even, wasn't even prompted by, by anybody even bringing it up or talking about it. But as I was reading it uh, several years ago, I was just really uh, amazed at how, um, yeah, I guess, pressing, or you just, just how uh, President Kennedy was, was moved by our founding values as well. And I'll just quote briefly from uh, the second paragraph of John F. Kennedy's inaugural speech, uh, which was delivered on January 20th, 1961. And he talks about, he's talking about how the world is is so much different, um, was in 1960 than it was when the country was founded. But then he also says, and yet the same revolutionary beliefs for which our forebears fought are still at issue around the globe that the belief of the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. And we dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. And I just thought that was a profound statement, especially coming from, from frankly, from a Democrat. And um, you don't hear too many Democrats today um, you know, talking like that, or even a lot of Republicans. Um, and I know that... Uh, Derek, this is a favorite and actually an inspirational um, speech um, for for you as well. Yes, I do love it because uh, President Kennedy, as you know, he was a World War II hero. He loved America. He loved the country. And and most of his politics, a lot of it, we would agree with today if you look into it. But anyway, the basic rights that he said that we're fighting for in 1961 is still an issue even to this day. That our rights do not descend from the generosity of state, but from the hand of God. And again, that argument is now they want to take God out of everything, out of every area of government, out of every walk of our life from the public square. But if our laws, remember, if we're not endowed by our creator with our rights, rights, that means our rights have to come from man or government. And if our rights come from man or government, then guess what? Man or government can take away our rights at any time. And you know, this is a very important point, and many of your listeners know this, but when you get outside of the traditional that we, a lot of people we hang around, the belief that our rights came from God, from a creator, is becoming more and more alien to the society of America that we now live in. And, and that's absolutely chilling, but um, it's something that, that the reason we want to address it right here, absolutely. And, and I and I I hate to hear that; it's obviously incredibly depressing. But but I certainly uh, you know, believe it because this isn't something that's that's taught in school. I don't think. In fact, probably the exact opposite is probably taught in a lot of colleges and academia. It's certainly not uh, something that that very many elected officials or, or politicians talk about. Of, of either party, but I would go so far as to say that most of the Democrats that I'm aware of are, are hostile to this notion, frankly. Um, and if they're not, I'd love to, love to hear the response. Um, but even Republicans don't even, uh, from my perspective, really um, focus on on this particular core principle uh, as much as they should. And I'll just say one more thing. You know, what we just, um, what we're talking about and what we just uh, quoted from John F. Kennedy's inaugural address, that and yet the same revolutionary beliefs for which our forebears fought are still at issue around the globe. The belief that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand hand of God, that's the core principle of America. That's the core foundational belief of our liberty. Well, exactly right. And, you know, uh, when they asked about Thomas Jefferson, uh, he studied all the religions of the world and all the philosophies of the world. And he came back and he said that the Judeo-Christian ideas, that that religion, the Christian religion in particular, was the greatest of all religions because it controlled a person from within. And our founders knew that a society was to function and to flourish, it had to have a foundation. That's why the Ten Commandments were so important. And look, the Ten Commandments are taken out of every schoolhouse. They're taken out of every form of government. But remember, 
All you have to do is look to the Supreme Court. And when they're arguing the case to take the Ten Commandments down, you just tell them to close those big doors. Because if they ever close the doors to the Supreme Court, on the back of those doors are in Roman numerals 1 through 10, and they stand for the Ten Commandments. Absolutely. And you had uh, back in, in, in the the founding of, of the 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 buildings in Washington, many of them have chiseled into the into the concrete building scripture or you know, ten you know, things about the ten commandments. Well, and again, it's society. They knew the importance. What if people believe, "Thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal, thou shall not lie"? Can you imagine if society in general was taught that from the time they were children? And again, that's why if you put the Bible in schools, the prisons would be empty, was one of the founders, Dr. Benjamin Rush, believed that. And can you imagine if you were taught that from the time you were a child instead of the crap that goes into teaching children now? It's sad, but that's the difference. The founders knew that if these were foundations that America was built on, that it would thrive. And guess what? Roger, it thrived like no other country the world had ever seen. And at this point, I think it's up to us to do whatever we can to make sure it continues to. And and the first place I know to start with that is uh, with God's direction and God's guidance is to focus on on these principles and try to live them and and make sure that we let other people know about them. And exactly. And when you mentioned uh, President Kennedy, you mentioned he was Democrat. But up until just recently, the all Republicans, Democrats and independents, 99 percent of all parties that were in America believed exactly what he was saying. Believed that our rights came from God. They believed in God. They may have worshipped God in a different way, and that's their freedom to be in America, that you can do that. But they believed in the fundamental principles of America, America that Roger talks a lot about on his shows, and that these principles were not wavered. They weren't arguing points because these were the foundation of America. But we've gotten away from that. And again, you speak of the Democratic Party. I wish they would take back to uh, President Kennedy's ideas because they were powerful ideas. They were American ideas. And I would like to to add one thing, another one of my favorite quotes, right along with exactly what Derek is saying, is this one's from John Adams, of course, the second president, and of course, uh, much more influential than just being the second president. Uh, John Adams was literally the man who uh, led the fight, uh, um, you know, in Continental Congress to declare independence. You know, he actually gave the speech that really, you know, many people credit with persuading, um, you know, because it was a divided house at the time. A lot of people were opposed to, you know, declaring independence. Anyway, John Adams gave the 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 speech that that was influenced, (laughs) led to the creation of the country and the declaration of independence. But John Adams said, "Statesmen may plan and speculate for liberty." But is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand? Exactly what what Derek just said. Exactly. And you mentioned the founders, and, and I know you both of us love President George Washington. Again, in his farewell address, he said there were two indispensable supports that our future stood on, and they were religion and, and you know, morality, the two indispensable. In other words, if you don't have religion and morality, he said in politics, he said, if you read his farewell address, incredible address, similar as we're talking about President Kennedy's inaugural address, uh, you know that all students were required to read President Washington's uh, farewell address? That was a requirement. We've gotten so far away from that. I think we need to bring some of those ideas back. Absolutely. <clears throat> and that's um, what all of us must, uh, you know, do whatever we can in our various spheres of influence to do that. And I'll just, and we're near the end of our program, I just will add on that concept um, about religion and, and morality being indispensable to life in a free society. If you just think about it for a moment, that's, that's very rational. That's just a very rational, common sense yes. concept, because um, if you don't, that the freedom, liberty, constitutional, democratic, republic, democracy, however you want to want to phrase it, um, you have to have you. It can't exist if it if the a lot of the individual citizens are not doing the right thing. You know, if 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 individual citizens are doing um, misbehaving, if you will, breaking the law, um, whatever you know, uh, to a large extent, you're not going to have a free society. You're going to have to have a, a, a coercive police force. You're going to have to have a coercive government just to keep people in line. 
and that's basically the way the world had been <laughs> up until 1776. Um, you know, part of the reason for that, that you had uh, you know, monarchs and kings and totalitarian-type governments was because people weren't self-regulating. They needed that kind of authority and discipline. But anyway, the point is, um, if you don't—but the, the beautiful thing about having a society based on religious concepts and morality is that the individual citizens take it upon themselves right. to do the right thing most of the time, and th- that's the only condition that c- you can really have a free society. Well, exactly. Again, that was when we did Thomas Jefferson and the founders knew that if that they wanted a system where we could control ourselves, and that's why we're the laws were based on laws, not on the whims of of men, as they said back then. So, yes, a society will not function; it will not survive if the laws of these moral and religious laws are not because we won't make it without them. Well, Derek, it's great to have you joining us once again. Thank you for, for sharing your great insights and wisdom with us. Friends, thank you for joining us. Give a shout-out to our producer, Jeff, and I want to thank our other great guests on the Roger Franklin Williams Show today, FSU legend Sammy Smith, now with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and Ashley Balajan, founder of the Balajan Law Firm. Friends, have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.